one of the reasons is because people sometimes think that advertising is like a light switch. You just flip it on and it's going full blast and everything. And if you're like, oh, we need a, you know, we're too busy. Let's flip it off and everything. And it doesn't just shut off as, as well, too. It's really like a train. You apply power to it. It starts moving going forward, but it takes a little bit longer. And then once it gets faster and faster and faster and eventually gets up to speed and everything, then you can actually stop applying power and you'll start coasting and then you can apply power again. It becomes a little bit easier. And if you cut the power completely, it's going to eventually slow down, but not be instantaneous as well, too. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Brian Maddox. Um, with me today, Jeff Schwartz from Ethic Advertising Agency. Welcome, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Um, so, Jeff, if you could give the audience a little bit of background about uh, kind of where you are and how you got started doing what you're doing, uh, that'll help as we go through the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I own uh, and founded Ethic Advertising Agency, uh, which has been around for about nine years. Uh, and we specialize in hyper-targeted digital advertising and the creative that goes with it. And we just rolled out into um, the ad tech space and created uh, a brand as well, too. That's uh, around the geofencing space called QGM as well. So we provide the advertising services, but then we also have a... Um, uh, self-serve um, kind of SaaS kind of uh, program as well, too, for people who want to do geofence advertising. So you help folks with both the creative side and the placement side, which is uh, a little bit of an interesting bridge. Um, how does that work out uh, in terms of what you're doing? I, I guess that full scope gives you a ton of benefits when it comes to making sure you're getting not only the right creative, but the right creative in front of the right people. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things as well, too, that we have some clients that use us for everything. And we have other clients who use us just for some of the specialties as well, too. So sometimes we get to control the creatives and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just do the creative. We don't do placement and, and everything as well, too. So it does allow us to, um, you know, kind of be a one-stop shop for some folks, uh, but also for the people that um, maybe don't want to use us for creative, for example, they, there's a kind of an appreciation of understanding what the messaging says. I kind of associate it to when you're looking for the one, like you're out there dating and stuff. Um, if you have the best media, if you have the best targeting where you're in front of the right person, that's only half the battle. Because if you go on that date and you don't say the right thing, which is the creative, which is the messaging, right? Uh, then it's not going to be a good date and vice versa. Uh, if you're on a, you know, out with the wrong person and you say the right thing, that's just equally as, as bad as, as the flip side of things. So that's why we like to be able to control both when we can. Um, but we're also very, cool when whenever we don't have control over those things but we still always kind of bring a unfiltered understanding about each element to be able to say hey you ever think of doing this uh you guys should create this or or whatever it might be so both of those spaces those seem a little bit um uh, independently they're they're almost completely different market segments right the folks that are interested in creative more often than not, the way they're shopping, the way they're buying is quite a bit different than the folks that are looking for placements. And then you add geofencing into the mix and, and you're talking about even a third different market segment. How do you find out where those segments overlap and what does that look like in terms of how you're approaching the market space? 
Yeah, I mean, the root of what we do is still the hyper-targeted digital advertising, right? So, I mean, that's the essence of of what we do. And as we've evolved and as we've grown, we've created resources and opportunities for the people that we work with uh, in order to make sure that we're doing the best job that we possibly can be. So that's kind of the the anchor uh, for us and everything. So even though we have this ad tech uh, uh, through, for the the geofencing side of things, and we do creative and we do uh, media placement and distribution uh, in-house and everything. At the end of the day, it's all related to hyper-targeting a certain audience and getting that right message in front of them as well, too. That's the bulk and the essence of what we do. The geofencing side of things was just the fact that we've had so many conversations, hundreds of conversations in that space that were like, someone should create this. And then I was finally like, okay, I'll be the one who creates it as well, too. That's why it's its own brand. It is a product of our agency, uh, but it, it has its own brand, its own identity, uh, its own individual working over on that side of things as well, too. So we do kind of keep that separate from our agency uh, side of things. So people that are using the QGM geofencing platform are completely different target audiences than the people who are going to Ethic Advertising Agency for our, our services. Gotcha. So how are you as the advertising agency then going to market differently than uh, perhaps some of your competitors? Yeah, I mean, you know, the big... the big thing that I focus on is doing things like this podcast, thought leadership, uh, you know, creating organic con uh, content that's out there. Uh, we also run ads for ourselves as well, too. Um, you know, longevity helps any ad agency as, as well, too. Every year that we're in existence, it gets a little bit easier and references start to come in and stuff. Um, but it's using a multi-prong approach and making sure that we're consistent with our messaging and the kind of services that we offer. So although we cover the gambit of a lot of different things that are all, all kind of centered on paid advertising, like we don't do press releases, we don't do public relations, um, you know, we really kind of stick in our lane in our marketing and advertising uh, world uh, and just kind of stay honest and true to that. So we create content and information around that as as well, too, which really helps us out whenever we're talking with somebody who's a desired uh, client and prospect where we're like, okay, hey, you know, this is a good question. We wrote an article on this um, and sending that out to them as well, too. The other thing uh, with us is we are selective of who we work with. We don't need to be an agency that has hundreds of clients uh, that's not what we're really kind of looking for. So we set minimums. We have parameters where whenever we're talking with somebody, most of the time we're saying, hey, we're probably not the right fit, but I'm happy to spend some time with you to let you know what I would do if I was in your shoes as well, too. So taking that kind boldness approach, which is one of our core values of just helping people out, but then being selective of who's the right fit for us. Because we we do a lot, but we don't do it all. And we are really kind of specialized in the more upper five figure and lower seven figure kind of budget levels and everything. So anything more than that uh, can become a little bit complex. Anything less than that is something that is just not enough being on the bones for us to consistently do our processes and and our um and uh, and how we like to do do work. It's it's interesting that the the selectiveness I think is an important part of the conversation. The that amount of precision that you're using to select your clients or essentially allow those folks through the the red velvet rope, um, that part of the conversation seems seems really interesting. What about on the targeting side? You mentioned that a lot of what you're doing is that placement targeting work. Um, does your ad have a, a same level of, or, or the ads that you're placing for yourselves, does that have the same level of kind of um, hyper-specificity? 
so you know we do we do utilize that as as well too there's also there's a complexity with an ad agency for advertising for your, yourself and that's where the law thought leadership really becomes powerful and the reason why it's come you know a little bit complex i'm just going to use you know if, if i wanted to focus on people that wanted to do to generate more leads there's so many options that are out there and people often don't fully understand exactly what they're looking for, or sometimes they do. So there's an element of needing to be consistent and having those drips onto people, but also being a little bit more, more narrow with the, uh, the targeting that, that we are doing, uh, and stuff, but it's gotta be complemented and backed up with case studies, with, um, the, you know, information with them finding our brand and saying, Oh, this is, this is neat. Like I'm, this is cool that they did it for themselves. And for these other folks and everything, I'm interested in seeing what they can do for me as as well. So it sounds like you've committed to kind of a, a almost a long funnel approach of really making sure that by the time they get to that buying decision, you've got a real strong sense that they're a good fit. I, I must imagine that must help with retention as well. Yeah, retention it does definitely help with retention both on the employee side of things and with the uh the client side of things as well too. So I do have long-term like long-term vision planning is something that I I love to do. Uh so I kind of tend to think in that way of taking a maybe less direct route because I think that it's going to set me up to have more success and that's that's honestly what seems to have have happened is a lot of the sweat equity that I did in the past and that I continue to build upon is really where it allows us to have leads coming into us and having all these different funnels and opportunities and and everything and then servicing them them well. Uh, one of the things that although our company specializes in more top of funnel type stuff uh, and awareness and lead generation and everything, um, whenever I'm talking with a business, I, I always like to say, well, what's deeper in the funnel? Do you have any holes in the side of the funnel deep, deeper down that you should look at first patching before you start filling your funnel even more? Because, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes is the best way to kill a bad business is good advertising. You let more people know about it. And if your business isn't ready quite yet, uh, or they have something where you're not converting all the leads that you can and everything, well, the business owner is going to be a little bit grumpy because they're spending money to generate leads, which they're hoping are going to convert into sales. And at the end of the day, advertising really is focused on generating leads. It's the website, it's the salespeople, it's whatever, you know, whatever it might be that actually closes that sale. Advertising just gets the at-bats. It doesn't actually allow you, you know, help you or doesn't make you swing the bat to make contact with the ball. Right. So those those holes in the funnel, what do you typically see when folks are coming to you and they have those holes in their funnel? What does that look like? What are the common kind of failures uh, in that regard? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it could be anything from their website isn't optimized, like the first place that they usually go, you know, people go to. Um, I see often review and reputation management being a little bit neglected as well, too, is, is, is another pitfall. Uh, branding might not be figured out as as well, or might not be as optimized as it could be. All the way to the sales process isn't isn't quite what it needs to be. Um, you know, we work with a lot of service based companies, and one of the things that I see happen every so often is that the phone isn't answered, or it's not answered in a professional manner. Let's say, uh, you know, stuff like that. That you know, we can get them all you know you can get the horse to water but you can't make them drink and, and everything so it's it's actually getting them that last 10 feet to the edge of the water and then hoping that they're going to take that sip because they're thirsty and they want to to buy that product or service 
So that's a lot of things that we kind of see is it's that that last, you know, 10 feet of having something that can be a small tweak and often isn't very expensive as well, too, of just like, hey, making sure that good customer service is in place or that you're responding to people's um, negative reviews and positive reviews and trying to collect them as well, too. So it's that last kind of final step that we like to kind of see that pretty well well put together. So on the creative side, right? So uh, I'm sure that, you know, once those um, uh, holes in the funnel have been patched, uh, if they weren't already by the time they got to you, um, there are folks that will be coming to you with creative they already have as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested in getting uh, a little bit of a f- uh, guidance from you on what it fails in the creative side um, before they show up and, and start doing the, the media buys. What are the kinds yeah. of things in creative they get wrong? Yeah. So, I mean, different mediums have different creative that resonates differently with different audiences, right? So there's a little bit of like target, like targeting the creative to what you're doing and what your target audience is. Um, You know, a lot of times, you know, with the creative, the pitfalls might be that there's information dumping. There's too much information on there. And it's information that the business, the advertiser knows is important. But there's a difference between educating through advertising and then just giving them enough information to get them to take that next step, to get that hook in there. So um, there tends to be sometimes a lack of like incentivizing, a lack of just like trying to get them understanding of getting them to take that next action and everything where, you know, people in advertising will sometimes like, oh, we have to say this, we have to say that and have it being too much. Um, And there's certain mediums as well, too. If you have more than seven or eight words on the screen, you know, it's not going to get read. It's going to be too small if it's in digital or out of home, for example, or there's not enough time to kind of digest it and and really kind of visualize it. The other thing with the creative standpoint is making sure that there's an alignment across the board. So if you're using multiple different mediums, that there is a similarity in the creative messaging and there's a continuity across the board with it as well. So you want the creative to be engineered for the distribution levels that you're putting out there. But you also don't want to have a social media ad look completely different than a video ad, for example, as well, too. You want to have some kind of consistency so they understand it's the same brand. It's the same kind of thing that they're talking about as well. So that brand safety part of the conversation definitely factors into, you know, the creative, uh, the, the variation in the creative. Um, what are the things that um, when folks are, let's say they come to you and they say, can we run with this creative what are some things that uh, you see that you go, yeah, absolutely, I'm not going to do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of the, and creative is subjective, right? So we we have like creative best practice documents that we share. And, and oftentimes, if we know we're not doing creative, we can share the specs and the creative best practice documents with them and hope that the, that's the best. We also offer, hey, we'll take a look at your creative if you want to give you our thoughts and everything. Um, and then there's the fact that creative is subjective and, and everything. So there's elements where creative can work, uh, even if it's getting in front of the right audience, even if it maybe goes against some best practices as, as well, too. So, you know, there are a couple of occasions where, you know, someone has something that I'm like, hey, this is just no matter what we're doing, this doesn't work. Or even have guidelines as well, too, in digital where it's like you have to have your logo on here. Like you like like you have to be able to have these kind of things. So we really voice that and we would say, hey, we're not going to run this if we don't believe that it's going to work. 
uh, and everything, but we don't run into that too, too much. Um, you know, since we, we work with people who are going to spend, you know, a reasonable about amount of money, someone's going to spend like $50,000, $100,000, a million dollars, something like that. There, there's an understanding there and, and stuff. I used to run into a lot more when we were taking on clients that were like spending like 500 bucks a month and, and everything. And then oh, trying gotcha. to send over creative from, you know, PowerPoint or clip art and, and everything, them doing it themselves. Right. So usually we're working with people that have some kind of um, background in the creative space to be able to produce those. But we do often, you know, especially if we aren't doing it, say, hey, try to give as much guidance as possible because it does not matter how good the targeting is. If the creative messaging is off base or the experience later on is off base, then it's not going to to work just as if we were off base with the targeting. If we're not reaching the right people and everything, you have to have that that right mix of good quality creative and good quality targeting. So when it's all um when it's all working well and it's all sort of well integrated, um, is there a is there a sort of standard ratio that you would expect uh for paid placements versus marketing budget versus uh, you know, sales and marketing as a as an overall function. Do you have sort of rough order magnitude guidance for what folks that aren't yet spending on this should look to to spend in terms of sort of standard percentages? Yeah, so I mean, the budget is one of those things that's always a tough question to to answer. It's one that really lies with the advertiser at the end of the day. Um, I do have like a 17 minute video, like I said, creating content that that's relevant to what people talk about. I create a 17 minute video that's all about budgeting um, and how to go with the budget based off of the ROI and the expected reach and frequency that you're going to have your advertising actually be distributed. So it's more of, hey, here's an opportunity in how, how you would spend this amount of money. And this is what the estimated results should be. There's also an element of um, of getting into the business side of things and the economics of it, of being able to say, I have limited resources. What can I possibly do with what I have? Um, so there's an understanding of what their budget can actually be based off of what um, their overall budgets are as well, too. So it gets into more of the business operations side of things as well. So looking at, you know, what the ROI is and what, you know, what you they actually want to invest in, as well as where do they want to take it? What do they want to do with it and the industry that they're in, you know? Somebody in you know, different industries yield different results because uh, different, you know, there's somebody who might have a price point that's $5 for a burger and somebody that has a price point that's, you know, half a million dollars for an industrial piece of equipment, right? So there's a lot of differences where it really kind of makes sense to look at, okay, what could my estimated results be and how long would that take as well as, well, what am I willing to invest as well too? Because advertising or anything with marketing lead generation is kind of like the stock market. You know, you can take riskier bets and get bigger returns, but you could also potentially lose it all. You could also do things that are safer and more, um, uh, you know, I mean, I'll just safer, I guess is the best word. And then you are um, not, maybe you're not going to get as big of a return, but you're also going to mitigate your risk as well, too. But at the same time, you're really investing dollars to get something in return. And what that is and what you want out of it is kind of contingent on what each company wants to to see with their key performance indexes. Gotcha. So there's not like a standard, like most businesses should spend, you know, 25% on, you know, ad placement relative to the rest of their marketing budget. There's no yeah, like... I, 
I don't think that, I mean, there is numbers that you can look up and you can see, you know, whatever it is, like five to 25% or something like that. But some businesses are just frankly more reliant on advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. And some businesses are more reliant on sales and reputation, let's say. So, you know, somebody who has a whole sales force that is going out out there and trying to generate leads and and everything because they may be business to business space. Well, maybe they don't need to spend as much money on the advertising side of things because it's really acting as a compliment to their, their sales team versus somebody who doesn't have a sales team at all. For example, a grocery store, let's just say, you know, they, you know, they have associates that are working there and everything, but they're not going door to door saying, Hey, would you like to come buy an apple for my grocery store? Right. So they rely a lot on their reputation and their marketing and their their community outreach, but also their advertising as well, too, is the main driver and what makes the most sense. So maybe their, you know, their percentage of, of, uh, spend should be higher than somebody that has that investment getting leads through maybe something that is more human and and sales based as well too. So that's why it's not an easy one answer to you know fits all kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, but there are resources out there uh, to kind of figure out what makes sense for for you. The reality of it is is that you should be getting results from your investment and having a clear understanding of what that looks like and what that is. And in advertising, that takes time. It's not going to be instantaneous. Um, I wrote an ebook on nine reasons why advertising doesn't work. One of the reasons is because people sometimes think that advertising is like a light switch. You just flip it on and it's going full blast and everything. And if you're like, oh, we need a, you know, we're too busy. Let's flip it off and everything. And it doesn't just shut off as, as well, too. It's really like a train. You apply power to it. It starts moving, going forward, but it takes a little bit longer. And then once it gets faster and faster and faster and eventually gets up to speed and everything, then you can actually stop applying power and you'll start coasting and then you can apply power again. It becomes a little bit easier. And if you cut the power completely, it's going to eventually slow down, but not be instantaneous as well too. So advertising like anything in in business with lead generation and developing reputation, it takes some time uh, to build up, but at the same time, it also takes time to disintegrate as well too, if anything was happening on the negative standpoint, or if the company got so busy that they're like, we need to slow down uh, and everything. It's not instantaneous. <laughs> you know? should have done that six months ago, right? Yeah. I, I mean, as much as I wish it was a faucet or a light switch, or just on, 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 off, on, off and everything, it, it just it just isn't that, that situation. Uh, and everything where a consistent basis is kind of key, but also ensuring that entering new mediums and changing creative can often be some of the the things where you do see some jumps in results as well mm. too. So ha- making sure that things are staying fresh, that you're you are testing new things and trying new things as well too, and always trying to figure out well how do we do a little bit better because. You know, one of the worst things you can do is say, oh, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing, because eventually it'll just become a little bit stale and and it needs a, a revival of some kind. Gotcha. Gotcha. Jeff, this has been awesome. How should folks get a hold of you when they want to learn more and uh, you know, who should reach out to you as well? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think I mentioned it before where, you know, even if someone isn't the right fit for our company as a prospect and everything. I still talk with them and I tell them this is what I would do if I were you and and everything. So, you know, I've owned Ethic for nine years and I used to flip houses and everything. So I got the entrepreneurial side of things, but also the agency side of things as well too. So I've always called that my open door policy. So I'm happy to talk with anybody uh, and and everything. 
Um, you know, so if anybody is kind of wondering about advertising or marketing and everything, doesn't matter what their budget is or anything like that, I'm happy to to find some time. Uh, you know, they can reach out to me. They can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, they can also go to ethic-ads.com or qjam.com to see our brands as well, too. And uh, I have a profile on Ethic and they can reach out to me there as as well, too. Gotcha. Awesome. And in your journey, uh, you know, you say you flip houses, you've, you've got all this entrepreneurial spirit. In your quest to become, you know, the ultimate agency owner, uh, what are the three biggest things that you picked up along the way in terms of takeaways, uh, hard lessons, that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, you know, three things, you know, there's so many, so it's hard to get them into three things and everything. But one of the one of the main ones would be um would be to not bottleneck the company as an agency owner is to not have everything have everything you know try to be funneled through through one person uh and mainly me and as and, you know any agency that starts out that's smaller mm-hmm. as well too uh you know that that is always a problem so having something and building something that's not relying on one individual and ha- that adds scalability that adds profitability as well too so i think that's a that's a key component um another uh element would be um focusing on culture you know fo- as as you grow your team and everything and i've grown it from just me to 15 people um my whole goal is to be at 17 by the end of the year uh you know the culture is what's allowed me to scale and grow and do it do it efficiently um i think i feel as well and have it be a place that is a better place to work than other ad agencies which is something i'm very mm-hmm. proud of that helps with consistency and longevity and people wanting to to do you know do good quality work for us and then the third thing is you know a lot of times people get into, you know, having an ad agency or running an ad agency and they're coming from doing the work, doing the day-to-day stuff and everything. So educating yourself as a business owner is, I think, immensely important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, f- figuring out, well, how, and, and seeing if you like it as well, too, because if at the end of the day, you're like, I just like to do the work and that's what I'm passionate about and everything. There's nothing wrong with that. But the person doing the work cannot really always be the person who's running the ship as well too um depending on the size of of the business and everything it can to some extent and everything but eventually that has to be relinquished to other people which is a hard thing to do um but that's why processes and making sure that you're educating yourself and trying to figure out how to to be a business owner or an agent or run an agency is is excessively important i feel like a lot of people don't come from the entrepreneurial kind of uh uh you know space to get into this and and to lead agencies they come from more of like hey i know how an agency works or i understand advertising and then they take those kind of leaps but educating yourself on how to run a business is the is the third thing to i think be successful awesome jeff i think those are all outrageously solid points um, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It's, uh, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it as much as I have interviewing here for this podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on anytime. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck. 
whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.